welcome to Untangle, the podcast from Meditation Studio, and now our partner Muse. I'm Patricia Karpus. In this series, we introduce you to real people with extraordinary stories and experts who share how meditation and mindfulness practices change our lives. Our podcast is brought to you by Meditation Studio, Apple's pick as one of the 10 best apps of the year, and Muse, the amazing brain-sensing headband that gives you real feedback on your meditation practice. You can download the Meditation Studio app in the App Store, and we hope you'll check out Muse at choosemuse.com. When you download Meditation Studio, you'll get over 400 original and exclusive meditations by leading experts on everything from sleep, stress, and anxiety to happiness, confidence, and relationships, and more. And if you've got Alexa, ask her to play our eight free meditations. Just ask her to enable Meditation Studio. Now, I'm really excited to introduce you to today's guest, Radha Agrawal. She is an incredible force of energy. Radha is the co-founder of Daybreaker, the early morning dance and wellness movement that's in over 25 cities and on dozens of college campuses with a community of over half a million people. Radha's new book is called Belong, Find Your People, Create Community, and Live a More Connected Life. She's all about how we mindfully find meaningful communities that enrich our lives in powerful ways so that we can feel more connected with the people we care about and feel less isolated overall. This, she believes, can have a profound impact on our lives. In this interview, she tells us how. Here's Radha's story. Radha, it is such a pleasure to have you on Untangle today. I'm so excited. You're such a force of nature and I love what you're doing and I loved your book. So excited that I got to read it. I want to start by sharing a little bit about your background, where you grew up, what you were like as a child. Can you just like dive into a little of that to give us some context? Sure. I'm half Japanese, half Indian, born and raised in Montreal, Canada. I grew up in an immigrant household where Community was actually something that my parents really instilled in me early on because both my parents didn't have any family in Canada and were thousands of miles away. So it was a wonderful household that was so international. Um, I mean, I grew up on sushi and curry and, (laughs) and so all the neighborhood kids would come to our house to have the ethnic food. Yeah. It was just like a beautiful confluence of cultures and Canada is just a wonderful place to grow up. There's a real interest in learning about everyone's different cultural languages So did you have any challenges back then with like stress or anxiety or feeling isolated or did that come later? Yeah. So it's interesting, right? Like you can come from any background. For me, I have an identical twin sister. So I had a womb mate when I was born. So I always had a friend to fight with and play with and make up with. So my childhood, of course, there's the stress and tension of not having enough money in the household and the tension of kind of parents wanting you to get straight A's and when you want to play. There's sort of the kind of the very basic tensions. But for me, the real loneliness came in my 30s. And I think we can all come from various backgrounds, but we go through so many inflection points in life where you could start with a happy family and end up alone if you make the wrong decisions. You can start with a really unhappy family and end up with a happy, wonderful community if you make the right decisions. And we're all navigating life as best we can. And I began to really understand the importance of community when I turned 30 years old and I realized, oh no, I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, oh no, I don't belong and I don't feel a sense of belonging. And that was the beginning of my journey 
an intentional community and, and finding my people. You say in the book, I didn't always understand the importance of community, probably because it was maybe so natural when you were growing up. And then you said your epiphany came at the age of 30. I wanted to kind of jump to that because it sounded like you also had this wind behind your sails to create businesses, which I think is really interesting. But tell me what happened with the epiphany. Julie, my first thing to preface, like I wouldn't have the success I have in business, in my entrepreneurial life had it not been for my personal community. So this is why I wrote my book, Belong, because people don't realize how important it is to first find your tribe. So the epiphany happened at 30 years old when I looked myself in the mirror and I just didn't recognize the person that I saw. I'd spent my 20s after college in sports bars thinking that that was what all the cool kids did, right? Like I thought that you're supposed to go to sports bars, drink beer, watch sports, get drunk, and the kind of the unconscious life that we often lead because that's what everybody else did. Even if it didn't fill me up, I did it Mm -hmm. anyway because society said I should. So I did that all through my 20s, hung out with people who really talked shit about each other. And I just was really feeling unfulfilled. And so 30 years comes around. I'm in New York City, snowy Saturday in January. And I'm just like having this moment. And it wasn't sort of a low point. Like, and this is what I read about my book. I wasn't a low point that I hit. It was just like a moment, like an aha moment of, wait, where do I belong? Like, who are my people? Am I living the life that I really want to be living? Am I surrounding myself with people who fill me up? Or am I just phoning it in and doing what's easy because someone was grandfathered in from when I was in high school or someone I met sitting next to me at my office who didn't necessarily light my fire, but they were just close in proximity. So they would become my friends. So I began to really go through this process of evaluation and really get to know who I am. And so it's actually the first part of my book and, and what I really get got excited about on my journey of self-exploration was going inside and getting to know who I am first before I went out to build and create my community. So it started with this three column list. Column one was all the qualities I was looking for in a friend. So I wanted friends who talked about ideas and not each other. I wanted friends who took care of their bodies and wanted to go to the gym and work out. I wanted friends who were adventurous and said F yes to life and we leaned in, not shoulder shruggers and so on and so forth. Column two was all the qualities I didn't want in a friend, all the negative stuff, shit talkers, negative Nellies, shoulder shruggers, lazy people, you know? And then column three was all the qualities I needed to embody in order to attract the friends that I wanted. So I needed to be less of a workaholic, a better listener, less flaky. So I used to cancel on friends all the time for work. And I began to prioritize my commitments. And all of that intentionality really changed my life in the most incredible ways. I went from sort of not knowing what I want to do in my life and feeling sort of, I'd broken off an engagement. I just was like really sort of in my Saturn return and trying to figure out where do I belong. And then just that beginning, that focus and that kind of moment of, wait, you are as good as the five closest friends you keep. Like that realization, of course, since then, all my research that I've seen, Harvard came out of the study that shared that the single most important thing we can do in life is not to find a good profession, not a husband, not any of that stuff. It's, it's truly just authentic relationships. And it was an 80-year longitudinal study and that was the main outcome. So it was an interesting, very simple result, but that's ultimately what we all want as humans. And, and yeah. every single thing in life ladders down a belonging or lack thereof, gun violence. And if we can create a world in which every single human felt a sense of community and belonging, which is this feeling of this exhale of, oh, I'm home. Mm-hmm. These are my people. I found my people. Like I can be for real me here. 
that's all we really want in life. And if we can all focus our attention on that, not just for ourselves, but for one another as well, then the world becomes sort of this magical, meaningful place. And we don't have to escape to virtual reality. We don't have to escape to sort of other planets. We don't have to escape to find other sort of means to connect and find a sense of belonging. It's right here. I love when you said in your book, and you just said this now, you have to go in to go out and you had this epiphany, but what was it about you that made you so introspective? You got really frustrated. You were frustrated with your friends and your community in your twenties. And so you just simply started doing this whole process or did you do a lot of research? Did you see a therapist? Did you meditate? How did you come to all of that? Yeah, sure. I mean, of course, I you know meditation always plays a role in all of this, but and meditation get, you know, allows for you to see more clearly. But again, I think it's just, I don't know. I think it was divine intervention in some ways. Of yeah. Sort of, what is your Dharma Vada? Why are you here on this planet? What are you here to do? When are you happiest? And I've always been happiest when I was in community, but I was always happiest as, as a little kid throwing big birthday parties for all of my friends. And as a little kid being on soccer teams and of course through all of college, I was on soccer teams as well. So just like the community around other people filled me up. And then all of a sudden I lost my way and I no longer felt in belonging. So that led me on to this sort of my path of starting Daybreaker, right? And grew that to half a million community members and all around the world. I can share what that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I want you to share what that is. Absolutely. But I love what you're saying too about being on a soccer team because I think as you get older, you don't have as many opportunities for community, which is sort of the brilliance of Daybreaker because it's for every age in every community. So let's talk about that and how that began. Totally. So Daybreaker, for all the listeners out there, is an early morning dance community that meets before you go to work on a weekday morning. And from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., where the first hour we do yoga, meditation, and the second two hours is a full-on just this beautiful energetic dance party. But within a dance party, it's not just a DJ pushing buttons, but we replace the mean bouncer with a hugging committee. You know, <laughs> we replace the alcohol with green juice, coffee, and tea. We've added performative elements to the experience. So things like a horn section or dueling sax players or break dancers or fire spinners or aerialists. So your entire morning, you're like, wait a minute, what immersive, crazy, wild experience am I at? And holy cow, I'm sober. And oh my gosh, I'm going to work after this with glitter on my face. This is wild. So the idea of it was just, how can we start our day with self-expression, with community, with sort of this wonderful kind of festive optimism and because life can be pretty routine and yeah. you wake up, you either go to the gym, you buy yourself with your earbuds in your ears and then you're going to work. And so there's no moment for community. There's no moment for connection. And we just want to try day life and see what that was all about. And it, boy, did it take off. It turns out that so many women feel so unsafe going out at night. And it's such a kind of drunken, drug-infused environment today that there is no safe space for women to go and let their freak flag fly and self-express in a totally inclusive environment where if you spilled drinks on someone or whatever, green juice on someone, no one was like angry. They were just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. You know, it was a very warm, inviting atmosphere. Everyone dresses up at Daybreakers. So you go fully in costume based on the theme of that week. So every month we announce a new venue, a new theme, a new location. It's always secret. So you never know where the next venue is going to be. So it's a very mischievous experience. It's never the same ever. And the whole idea is that life is so exciting. Why go back in the same place over and over again when we can continue to explore imagination? 
so yeah, so that was sort of the genesis of Daybreaker. Can we turn nightlife on its head? Can we invite a morning experience? Can we replace all the negatives into positives and give women and men a safe space to connect and self-express and really let go? It's so interesting to me because there were a lot of ways, like you're solving a problem that you felt, you felt isolated, you wanted to have more community in your life, you wanted a sense of belonging. And then out of this comes this like really wild idea. What happened between, how did you even come up with the seed of this particular idea? You could have created dinner parties. There's so many different things. Like where does this come from? This mischievous dance parties in different places. Totally. So my co-founder and I, uh, his name is Matt, and he and I love the festival kind of space. But really, again, it started at 30 years old when I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't belong. And then I spent the next three, four years really diving into my personal community and really cultivating that, throwing kind of events at my house all the time, going and exploring sort of different communities that interested me. So I went and explored Burning Man in Black Mm Rocks Desert. I went to different entrepreneurship summits to meet other sort of like-minded entrepreneurs in the social space. So I really started kind of exploring the world around me, not just what was to my left and to my right. I just started going to where I thought my people could be. And from there, I began collecting friends one by one and then inviting them to these dinner parties at my house or throwing these poetry jams at my house and all kinds of fun different things. So when I launched Daybreaker, it was really because my co-founder and I sat down together late one night. We were, again, this is a fun story. We were having falafels at 3 a.m. We just come from the nightclubs and we're like, gosh, like there's got to be a better way than this. Like, why can't we have kind of these wonderful Burning Man moments or like sort of these festival moments in cities where isolation is the most rampant, right? right? Why don't we wait to go to festivals and escape our lives instead of do them in the cities where we actually live and come home to ourselves, right? Come home to our, the cities we live in and find this magic where we live, not just running away all the time. So that was kind of the kernel of the idea. And then because both Matthew and I have always been big community builders, I invited my friends, he invited his friends. And then we, our personal community showed up to the very first event. We invited 300 friends who he and I painstakingly, you know, sort of sat down one night and picked one name at a time. And we debated them like, is this person going to be, and I call it in my book, I call it FYF. That's a part of the French, but it's a fuck yeah friend. Yeah. And it's like, that's the cornerstone of belonging and finding your community. It's not by being too cool for school or shoulder shrugger, but it's really being an FYF. It's about, it's about being say yes, like a really say yes friend, right? We really painstakingly picked 300 FYFs in our community and said, ooh, this person would be so down to wake up at 6 a.m. and dance. Oh my gosh, this person would be curious and confused, but would be totally down to come and try it, you know? <laughs> so we wrote down this list, took us you know, a couple of days to write down everybody's names. And of the 300 people we invited, 180 of them showed up. On the first day, it was a snowfall, our first morning trying out Daybreaker, uh, first snowfall in New York City. So there was all the reason in the world to roll over and hit your snooze button. But these friends showed up for us. And the energy that morning was so palpable. It was so joyful. It was so connected and electric. It was a, the whole city was a buzz about it. So then they invited two friends to the next event. So the second event, we had 350 people there. And the next event, we had five, 600 people. So it just kind of exponentially grew just by word of mouth. And to this day, mm-hmm. we've never done really any advertising. We might spend $20 on kind of boosting posts, which never works. <laughs> <laughs> but most of it is all word of mouth. 99% of our entire 
kind of growth has been through word of mouth, what, what I call whisper sharing. People who have wonderful experiences and are like, oh my gosh, you got to come to this thing. Oh my gosh, I try this with me. Oh my God, I'm going to bring my team. I'm going to bring my, I'm a founder of a company. I'm going to bring my whole team. I have a sorority, my school. I'm going to bring all of them or I have my book club. And bring, so it just becomes this like wonderful gathering place or people, I would say 30% of our community comes alone. And they love the anonymity of being able to dance by themselves with anyone knowing who they are. And they can just fully let go and be kind of whatever they want to be without the judgment that they think their friends are going to give them, which is, of course, all in our own heads. So it's all dancing. Is it anonymous or do people like stop and talk to each other? Oh my gosh. Everything. I met my fiance, now my baby daddy. Congratulations. For Daybreaker. Thank you. I'm five months pregnant. Oh, yay. People have met their best friends. People have met their roommates. People have met their co-founders and their new businesses. It's like the most wonderful way to get to know somebody's on the dance floor as when you're being ridiculous, when you're wearing costume onesies or dressed like a dinosaur or whatever. There's this wonderful, playful side of ourselves that we get to explore. And it's the best way to meet somebody is not just in the, what do you do type format. It's more just like, hey, what's your character today? Yeah. We're going to take a little break to give a shout out to our sponsor, Chosen Foods. We love this company because they make super healthy, mindful, nourishing foods. I'm personally in love with their 100% pure avocado oil and their pure oil sprays for cooking. Their sprays have just one ingredient, avocado oil. So good for you and you can use it for anything. Head to chosenfoods.com slash untangle and use promo code untangle50 during checkout to get your 50% discount off of your entire order. What a great company. Now back to our show. In the book, so there's part of the, it's all about community, but it's also, you talked about this ability to sort of discover who you are as a human being, what you like, what you don't like, finding your purpose in life and deciding what gives you joy and happiness. So you're weaving in a lot of this sort of getting to know yourself on the inside with this sort of beautiful expression of ourselves in these public situations. Belonging starts with you. You know, belonging has to start with you. You radiate who you are from the inside out and then you'll start attracting your dream community. The big mistake I made in my 20s was radiating a version of myself that wasn't authentically me. Yeah. What I thought I should be or how I thought the world wanted me to be. And I attracted negative people because I myself wasn't happy in my own skin. So when I went inside and what I call my book, I did my via chart, my wrote down a three circle concentric sort of three circles that kind of concentric and the Venn diagram touch each other. One circle was for my values. So what do I value? What do I care about? What are the things that I brought to Agarwal care about? Not what anybody else cares about, but what do I care about? Right. And then the, my values, my personal values. And then the second circle was what am I interested in? Right. So where my values could be like family, community, friendship, play, connection. What am I interested in? Well, I'm interested in music festivals. I'm interested in dancing. I'm interested in entrepreneurship. All the tangible things that as humans we're interested in and exploring. So write that down too. That's authentically rating from who you are. And then the third circle is what am I good at? What are my abilities, right? So your values, your interests, and your abilities, what am I actually good at? So we often will say, well, I want to be more conscious or I want to be a better yogi or I want to be, these are all things that we aspire to be like, which is wonderful. But maybe you're good right now at taking out the trash. Maybe you're good right now at like cooking or bringing friends together, right? So it's like, there's, we're good at things that we don't even realize. Maybe we're good at keeping plants alive. Like I'm not good at keeping plants alive, but my partner is. 
I think we forget the things that we're good at. And for me, what I realized what I'm good at is gathering people. What I'm good at is throwing events where people feel a connection to one another, curating like-minded individuals became my strength. That's what I do for a living now. So I think we all just sit down and ask ourselves, what am I good at? And what can I bring to my community? So starting with those three big questions gets you on a different path where you begin radiating the authentic version of yourself, at which point you start attracting your dream tribe. And when I say... I'm 39 now. It took me, I feel so deeply kind of in belonging. Of course, it is a human kind of destiny to feel alone and feel in belonging at any moment. I mean, there's many days, even now, that I wake up and I'm like, where do I belong? Are, are my, my friends really my friends? That's just the human experience. But of course, then I'm like, oh, right, of course, I have a community that loves me. It's just we get in our own heads about all these things, you know, and, and it just to be comfortable in that humanness is actually part of the journey of belonging too, is belonging to the fact that sometimes you feel like you belong. You talk about becoming, you call it gently aware and the red and green ego. What is that? That what's in your head, like the bullies in your head? Totally. Oh my God, the mean girls of your mind. So the red and green ego, imagine these two, I always imagine our ego, people always say, kill your ego, kill you, but there's actually a beautiful ego in each of us. That is our cheerleader. That's the one who gives us our confidence, who says, hey, you can do this, Patricia. You can do a podcast and really have this incredible community listening to your words. You can do this. Whereas your red ego might say, oh, Patricia, are you sure? Who's going to want to listen to you? Right? There's all these rights. We have this fearful side that's fear-based that is coming from a place of scarcity, right? And then this, the green ego is like, you got this coming from a place of abundance. So it's again, it's like in my book, I ask you to draw what they look like. What do these crazy little characters on either side of your shoulders look like? What does your green ego look like? Give them a face. Like what would your cheerleader, your imaginary friend on your right shoulder look like? And what would your negative Nancy red ego look like? And when you give these feelings a face and a personality, you begin to identify them when they're happening to you. So for me, in my moments of scarcity of like, how am I going to get this done? Oh my gosh, I have a huge presentation. What if I fall flat on my face or whatever it is? That's listening to my red ego. And then my green ego is like, Rada, come on. You've been doing this forever. You've been keynoting all your life. You got this. Get on stage there and do your thing. And it's just, again, who we choose to listen to. And it's this gentle self-awareness of who we're listening to, who has our ear at any given moment that also shapes our view of our friends, our community, and, and how we show up in the world. And then you talk about your soul sisters. What are they? Inspiration, curiosity, gratitude. How does that work? I mean, is it a counter argument to the bullies that are in your head? Yep. So essentially, again, like one of the things I realized, like what I love to do is kind of give faces to feelings, right? So I called the mean girls of our minds. And it could be the mean boys of our minds too. But in this case, for me, it's the mean girls of our minds. So imagine we all have this cafeteria inside of our minds, right? And in this cafeteria, you get to sit with the mean girls table. So the mean girls of our mind are judgment, perfectionism, and comparison. So, you know, and, and of course, with social media today, we're always comparing ourselves. We're always judging one another, judging ourselves. And we're always nitpicking and being perfectionists. Do I look okay? Is the angle right? How am I showing up? So on and so on. Am I too fat? Am I too skinny? 
it's just constant judgment, perfectionism, and comparison. And we can choose to sit with them in the cafeteria of our mind, or we can walk past them. And again, they're never going to go away. So you can you need to acknowledge that they're there because that is human. We're animals. We're fight or flight. We're always kind of looking for what's wrong. That's our natural state of being. So it actually takes a lot more effort to focus on what's going right. So it takes an active effort to walk past the first table, which is the mean girls table. And the more practice we kind of have and the more practice we, we do, like meditation, like yoga, like any practice, the easier it is to walk past them. But it is our human nature. It is our animal instinct to focus on the negative because we don't want to be eaten by the bears. So we walk by the mean girls table and the opposite of the mean girls are the soul sisters. And so the opposite of comparison, what do you think it is, right? The opposite of comparison is actually inspiration, right? So instead of comparing yourself, be inspired by that person. Like it's such a simple, easy kind of fix. And I used to compare myself all the time, but now I go on Instagram or I'll see some person that I'm so deeply inspired by now. And instead of going negative, I'm actually like, whoa, like that's cool. I want to know more about what she's doing or what he's doing because that's cool. So it's a complete mindset shift and you become cheerleaders for one another instead of taking each other down, which is what's happening in our world, right? The takedown culture is so crazy. And then perfectionism, the opposite of perfectionism, which is one of the mean girls, is gratitude. Instead of nitpicking what's going wrong, you could be focusing on what's going right. So gratitude is such a beautiful reframe from perfectionism. And then finally, the third mean girl is judgment. But instead of being judgmental, the opposite, the soul sister moment for judgment is actually curiosity. So instead of judging why this person is like dressed like that or why they can't dance or I can't believe whatever it is, really being curious as to why you feel this way in the first place. Why am I judging this person? Why am I judging myself so hard? What is, get curious, right? My friend who's de dealing with depression all of his life, he said to me, the cure for his depression was curiosity. The cure for his feeling of finality that I'm depressed for life, this is it, was actually his curiosity of what's beyond my depression and that got him out of it. Such yeah. Cool reframes, right? But it takes so much work and practice. Now, how did you come up with these particular ideas? Because on the one hand, you're an entrepreneur and you started Daybreaker, and then you're writing this book about finding your purpose and coming up with these really great tools for how we find ourselves really and discover really who we are as human beings. I think for me, it was like, what is the book that I need to read as a woman, as a mother to be? What is the book that I would want to read? And frankly, this book has been my biggest teacher too. I think we write the book that we want to read. And I've gathered so much information and intelligence over the last five years from building Daybreaker with our amazing team all around the world and have learned from them, have learned from our community and far be it for me to keep all this information to myself. I've yeah. learned so much. And so I wanted to share all of it and just say, look, it's one thing to keep all the company secrets to yourself. And it's another to just say, hey, what do I actually want? A is I'd love a book that I can read that's going to give me amazing tools, give a visual, give a personality to my feelings, one. And two, I actually don't want to be the only one creating amazing experiences. I would love to teach everybody else how to do it too. So I'm not the only one, you know, creating yeah. awesome... So everybody who's reading my book can now create wonderful, eye-opening, heartwarming experiences too that I get to go to. And so I just think it's selfishly, it's important to share because what's the point otherwise? It is important to share. And I really, I think it's so amazing that you've done it. And I am so curious, like how do you keep, so you live in New York City, you're busy all the time, you're on the run, you're traveling internationally, and you talk a lot about 
positive versus negative energy. And that at any moment, I think this is one of your quotes, at any moment you have a choice to refresh and reset your energy. How do you refresh and reset your energy? And do you ever go negative? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) When you're a CEO of any company or when you're leading any team, you are trained to just focus on how to fix what's going wrong. So we are trained as CEOs to nitpick what's wrong, not celebrate what's going right. So for 15 years, as I've started my own business and businesses, I've just been trained to have a critical eye. So that can bleed into your friendships, your relationships, to every aspect of your life. If you don't deeply focus on it and get gently self-aware of how you're showing up. So for me, of course, all of this awareness came from, or all of this change came from this awareness of, whoa, I am really just focusing on the negative. How can I really, really be a balanced human being? And again, I think I'm always an optimistic person for the, for, for the most part, yeah. but my training has been to focus on how to fix something. I think for me, I have several tricks. One is what I, in my book, I call it the doorway trick. So I use doorways. It's a very simple thing, but imagine walking through a door and using that threshold, that new transition space as an opportunity to take three deep breaths and say, okay, Rada, I just had a tough meeting just now, or I just had to let some go, or I just had a really tough, whatever it may be, but I get to go through this door and refresh and reset my energy and walk into this new space and give love to my team, give love to the new space that I'm going into and not carry that tension or stress with me. So that's been a very, very helpful tool and hopefully helpful for everyone listening out there. But also just, again, it's a mindset shift. I think also when you're in such close quarters with people all the time, you have to learn to forgive quickly. That's one of the things that I think has been my biggest gift is I'm really good at forgiving. I'm really good at apologizing and saying, hey, that was a tough conversation. I'm sorry how that went out, went down. Can we talk about it and solve this? And conflict in belonging. And I'm an emotional Asian American woman with very strict parents and with very emotional parents. And I'm working really towards fighting against my own upbringing, which is like tough love. And I think so much of what I write about, so much of what I do in life is to give people the tools to deal with conflict, to find their tribe, to support them, to create spaces for people to dance. And just like dancing is the most healing modality that exists on planet earth. And yet we medicate ourselves. If you just hit the dance floor, you can release your dose. And which is what I read about my book too, which is dose is anything about dose. It's like medicinal dose in my world stands for dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin, and endorphins. It's the four happy brain chemicals that we release naturally as humans. So we can actually train our brains to release a natural dose on the dance floor. That's been so deeply healing for me too. So moving your body, getting out of your sort of routine, getting sort of every little muscle in your body moving to the beat of the music is actually, I don't care if you say you're not a dancer. We are all dancers. If we can walk, we are dancing and everybody should relearn how to get back in their bodies and release their dose. Because when you do, it's, it's like a belonging you can't even understand. And you say that to find your people, you have to be willing and generous with your own energy. And so how can people start these experiences? I mean, first of all, they should look to see what exists in the city that they're in. Exactly. Well, Um, first it starts with writing down your values, interests, and abilities. First, and also writing down the three-column list of all the qualities looking for a friend, right? mm -hmm. Um, All that internal exploration. And then you go out to find your tribe and start identifying all the cool communities that exist. But of course, it depends on what you're into. Take that time to explore your community around you and decide, okay, what are the things I want to really sort of 
connect with. And so once you explore, I call it the four stages of community. So the exploratory phase is on the outside, kind of of the bullseye. Yeah. And once you've explored your community around you, then you kind of graduate one level into the participatory phase, right? And from the and then at which point you're actually you're like, okay, cool. I've identified two communities that I think are really awesome. I'm going to start volunteering my time. I'm going to start asking to take the trash out. I'm going to start to ask the organizers to support them in, in more ways, or I'm going to just start showing up with more regularity. Like Daybreaker, for example, we have thousands of community members who just commit to coming every single month to our events. And it's just been amazing to be able to go somewhere where everybody knows your name and everybody's like, yes, you came. Awesome. Great to see you. And to find that type of community where people recognize each other and are stoked to have your hands at work. I call that participatory because you literally cannot belong if you only take. You have to participate to experience belonging. And that's why we love our homes so much because we participate in them. We're cleaning them, we're doing the dishes, we're making our bed, we're participating in our homemaking, which is why we feel so cozy and happy at home. So when you participate in anything that you're doing, you're so much more connected to it. So I'm really taking the time not just to take, we live in such a taking, taking culture, make things easy for me, push some buttons and such things show up. We're so removed from participating in the creation of our food in the kind of the pumping of our water and like the generation of electricity and like the raising of our animals. We've completely forgotten how to belong to this ecosystem. There's a lot to participation as it relates to belonging. And the more we participate, the more we connect. Yeah. And you talk about your goal to belong in a world that continues to value soulful connections, which I think is so beautiful. And I, it's so amazing and transformational that your work is really bringing this to life. How do you want to be remembered? I mean, this is such an amazing legacy. I mean, you're so young and we don't normally talk about legacy, but how would you like to be remembered for this impact that you're having? If I could be remembered as someone who helped every single human in the world feel a sense of belonging, that they feel that exhale of, ah, I'm home. That's all I would want. I want that for my daughter who's inside my belly right now. And I want that for every single human on the planet, including the bullies, including the kids who are the ones who are so hurt that they're having to bully others. And I just feel like if all of these people felt a sense of belonging, they didn't have to couch their hurt in power, money, or fame. I really think we live in a beautiful world. And so that's my legacy. If this book could be in the hands of every high school, college CEO, just every single human at every inflection point in our lives, I really believe that we can have a beautiful world. I just want to congratulate you on the book and on all the work you're doing. It is really just so amazing and so happy that I got to talk to you today. And thank you so much. Oh my gosh, I'm going to send you a ticket to Daybreaker. <gasps> my guest. And for all the listeners out there, if you go to daybreaker.com and you can find your city, you can put your email in, you'll start getting our secret invitations to our events across the world. So I hope to meet you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much to Rada for joining us today. You can pick up her book at all major booksellers and check out Daybreaker at daybreaker.com. If you have feedback or suggestions for guests, email us at patricia at meditationstudioapp.com. And if you have a minute, can you give us a review or rating for the podcast? It helps a lot. And don't forget to check out Meditation Studio in the App Store and Muse at choosemuse.com. We'll see you next week.